Hi, I'm Nisha Singh, and this is What Makes Us Stronger, a series of stories about people's resilience in times of crisis. I want to tell you about Lena, Shireen, and Mariam. All three of them had to leave their homes because of war or because it was no longer safe for them to stay there. Everything around them changed. Everything about their lives has changed, and in many ways, the experience has changed them too. Lena, Shireen, and Mariam are three women who happen to be refugees with very different stories. But all of them have something in common. At the most difficult time in their lives, they found reserves of strength they didn't know they had. There was something, their kids, their work, a song, that made them stronger. Lena likes to say she's as old as her country. Born in the early 1990s, as Ukraine gained independence from the Soviet Union, she remembers the easy freedom of road trips with her dad, listening to pop songs as a young girl. One of her favorites was called Supergirl, a song she couldn't stop thinking about years later in the middle of a war. Sometimes, the strangest things can give you strength at times of crisis. Lena grew up in the Donetsk region in eastern Ukraine, but had to leave in 2014 because it was already becoming unsafe. She was getting death threats from Russian-backed separatists because of her work as a journalist. She moved to another city, Irpin, bought an apartment, settled down, and carried on working. Today, Lena and her husband are both journalists for an online news agency. In early 2022, even though a lot of people said it wouldn't happen, Lena was pretty sure that Russia would attack Ukraine. She'd been following the news closely and had a bad feeling. Early on the 24th of February, she woke up to find her husband had never made it to sleep. He'd been up all night watching the TV and he told her, it's time, we have to go. That was the day Russia invaded their country. They needed to continue their work and they suspected that there would be no internet, no water, nothing very soon in their area because the city of Erpin is located very close to Hostomel airport, which was the first to be attacked by the Russians. That's my colleague Olena, by the way, who helped translate our conversation. Lena and her husband left their apartment and took shelter in a Catholic seminary in a village close to Irpin. Not long after that, they realized it wasn't safe there either. Russian soldiers were closing in and fast. Russia's assault on Ukraine has been met with fierce resistance as the Ukrainian military claims it is fighting off attacks in several cities. NATO condemned Russia's actions. It was too dangerous to take the main roads. So together with a band of priests from the seminary, children and other people from the village, they made up a little convoy of vehicles and picked their way away from the fighting. Even along dust roads and through the forests, Lena says they could hear the shelling behind them. It was so close. And they knew they just had to keep moving. Their lives depended on it. Eventually, their ragtag convoy made it to the relative safety of Western Ukraine, and it was another Catholic institute, a place that used to be a hospice, which took them in. Only then did the reality of their situation sink in, and it dawned on Lena how close they had really been to the shooting and the bombs. 
Both she and her husband kept working, but a feeling of numbness had taken root. It was a difficult times when they were even depressed and they were doing their job, writing some news, just like a machines automatically, without feelings. And they even had to approach psychologists. But at some point, they even, it became even worse after psychologists. That's why they believe very much religion helped her. She talked a lot with the nuns of this uh, Rome Catholic community. And the nuns helped very much. It was like a providence that she had to be in this Christian place during these times. That gave her strength. Lena began to take comfort in the pattern of life among the nuns at the Institute. She helped out with the cleaning, the cooking, and she prayed too. That surprised her. She had never thought of herself as a religious person before. But in taking sanctuary far from her life in her peen, she drew strength from the simple act of praying. Shireen's journey of escape was no less harrowing than Lena's. Before the war, she lived in Al-Hasaka, right at the northeastern tip of Syria, an area of lush farmland. Like a lot of women in her fairly traditional neighborhood, she'd never worked outside the home. But Shireen was busy being a wife and a full-time mom with small kids. Her life was good, she told me. She was happy. Then, in March 2011, everything changed. There had been uprisings against the corrupt regimes in neighboring countries, and, inspired by those revolutions, a pro-democracy demonstration broke out in the south of Syria. President Bashar al-Assad's government hit back, and hard, using deadly force. Suddenly, there were protests demanding the president's resignation all over the country, and opposition supporters took up arms to defend themselves. President Assad vowed to crush them, and has spent the last 11 years trying to do just that. In late August 2013, more than 30,000 Syrians fled the violence to Iraqi Kurdistan, becoming refugees in camps that were already overcrowded. Shireen, her daughter, and her one-year-old son were among them. Shireen told me about the journey. Her husband had already gone ahead, so she traveled on her own to cross the Syrian border with her kids, and her son still a baby. Everyone was waiting for the border to open, and when it finally did a couple days later, thousands of people streamed across just to escape the fighting. Being in the midst of all those people, Shireen says, she was struck by how unreal it all felt. She had no money, no car, and nowhere to stay, so she and her kids just walked. They walked for miles, sitting on the ground when they were tired. And Shireen's baby son got sick. It was a truly horrible time. When they finally arrived at the camp in Iraqi Kurdistan, there were just so many people. Shireen still couldn't quite believe that they were there. Safe, yes, but their lives had totally changed in just a matter of days. This is my colleague Wissam, who translated our conversation, explaining how hard it was for Shireen to come to terms with her new reality. She describes how they were living in homes and they were living in peace, and then suddenly they were living in tents and being looked down upon as refugees. 
She's saying very, very emotional things. And uh, I thanked her for her bravery describing this journey. It sounds like there were probably a lot of difficult moments along the journey. What was it that gave you the strength, Shireen, to carry on in those moments? I have to stay strong, Shireen says. I had to be strong for my mental health, for my kids, for the future. Her family made a life alongside other refugees in the camps in Iraqi Kurdistan. But it wasn't until a couple years later that the way Shireen saw herself would change forever. Good morning, Mariam. How are you doing? Good morning, Nisha. I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today for this interview. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I've been working with Mariam Rahmani for the past six months. She's a deeply impressive woman and leader. The director of the Afghan Women's Resource Center, this amazing organization that supports women across Afghanistan with literacy classes and grassroots community centers. We've been pulling research together about what life is like for women in Afghanistan under the new de facto government in Kabul. And Mariam provided valuable insights on how women's rights organizations continue to serve women, no matter the risks. Right now, Mariam is living in the UK with her three kids, her husband, and her extended family in a hotel in Milton Keynes. One of the hardest things for her as a new refugee from Afghanistan and as a working mom is the lack of childcare. Not only in our main office, but all offices. We had kindergarten facility inside our offices for all staff kids. So all staff who were married were free to bring their children with them inside the office in a section. So it was much easier to work and also take care of the children too. Wow, we could learn a thing or two from you and your organization, I think, um, in the U.S. Back in August 2021, Taliban forces were sweeping through Afghanistan as U.S. and other international troops began to pull out after 20 years in the country. Living in Kabul and working as a women's rights advocate, Mariam feared for her safety. A month before this uh, Taliban took over, we had received a warning letter in our office mentioning that we have to stop our work and main office. Mariam thinks the letter might have actually come from a neighbor who was worried about having a women's organization in their midst when the fighters arrived. But it didn't help at a time when most of the women she knew were already terrified about what was to come. The day the Taliban came to Afghanistan, we thought that we have lost everything. And for one week, none of us went even a step outside the door of our house. But I never thought that within the period of three weeks, I would be roaming again to Kabul streets and finding a new office and facing on each step a vehicle full of people with weapons. There are sometimes that women realize that they are stronger and they didn't know it before. In just a matter of days, Afghan women went from being too scared to leave their homes to being out in the street, facing those trucks full of fighters and guns. But Mariam and her family were still at risk each day they remained in Kabul. These were tense days, spent waiting to hear 
if they had made it onto the evacuation lists of either the UK, US, or German governments. When was it that you left Afghanistan and why did you leave? It's something that uh, later on when you just see what kind of month it was and how everyone knew about the changes, it gives me a sense that how easily our lives were compromised. And uh, so, Adisha, I really cannot talk about this. Okay. Even now, months after they've left Afghanistan, the experience is too raw for many of our friends and colleagues to talk about. At that time, when crowds were swarming the airport, Mariam managed to leave Afghanistan on an evacuation flight. There were people forcing their way onto the runway, there were gunshots. It was sheer chaos. She also told me that this isn't even the first time that she has had to leave Afghanistan. Actually, it's the second time that I have become a refugee. Um, When I was not even in school, maybe the age of my children, maybe during the civil war, my family, we became refugees to Pakistan. So I was raised actually in Pakistan. And I just recall that time that when we were going to Pakistan, I think that the journey took one week almost. All the way, my mother and aunts were crying. And we as children didn't know that why they were crying. Because for us, it was a new adventure, traveling whole week and seeing everything new. But they were crying all the time. So as a refugee, to make it short, I now really completely understand why my family was crying going to Pakistan. All three women, Lena, Shireen, and Mariam, were extraordinarily brave at a time that most of us can't even imagine. With small children in tow, barely outpacing bombs, they endured traumatic journeys and kept going until they were safe. But that's not the end of their story. What makes them stronger is also in what happened next. Back in Syria, Shireen didn't have a job outside the home, and it didn't bother her too much, though sometimes she felt there was something missing, something of her own. Shireen told me she has this ambition to be the perfect mom to her kids, and I got the impression that whatever she does, she's kind of a perfectionist. She'd always loved sewing as a hobby. And then one day, after she and her family had been living in the camp in Iraqi Kurdistan for several years, there were some women who were going around the camp telling everyone about these classes that they ran. Classes to train women like Shireen to start their own businesses in things like tailoring or hairdressing. Shireen says that she was pretty depressed at the time, and so she jumped at the chance to try something new. She enrolled in the classes run by my colleagues at Women for Women International in Iraq in 2020. And when she graduated in 2021, she began working as a professional tailor with the help of her sister-in-law and her sewing machine. For the first time in her life, Shireen was working and getting paid for it. She says it changed her life. It made her feel confident. 
strong. Always the perfectionist, she stays up till one in the morning making sure her kids have finished their homework because now she has to work during the day. Shireen says that after she started working, after she had her own job, her confidence level was boosted. She was mentally feeling better. She felt like she does not need anyone, despite the fact that her husband used to work and generate income. Having her own business has changed her entire life. She is now capable of affording things for her kids. Her husband hasn't been working for three months, so she feels extremely confident about the fact that she's able to bring money to the house and afford things for her kids and keep life going. In a refugee camp in a new country, Shireen found that thing that was missing, something she could call her own. She feels powerful. She describes herself as optimistic about the future, and her driving goal is for her kids to study and go to university. Now Shireen has another job as a trainer with the Women for Women International team, supporting other women to learn about their own rights and how to earn money for themselves. Uh, so Shireen says, just like she learned from another woman, and just like that strength of her confidence, her career, her life, she does not want other women to feel any inferior. She wants them to feel confident. She wants them to be well-trained and have their own profession. And uh, this is why she finds it very rewarding to work with other women and gets them to a higher level of confidence in their life and being professionals and all of that. I never thought I could be so strong. Shireen tells us. And now I know. She wants every woman to know about her experience, to work and to become independent because of her new deep confidence that they can. She wants to be an idol to her daughter. She wants to be an idol to all of her kids. This is why she is obligated to be strong. She has to be strong for her family, for her community and for her kids. Without the childcare her office in Afghanistan used to provide, Mariam relies on her extended family, who are living with her now in the hotel in Milton Keynes in the UK. They look after her kids while she works. And these days, she's working harder than ever to support her colleagues and other women back in Afghanistan. It's not easy work. The de facto government in Kabul are introducing new restrictions on women all the time. Food is scarce. Money is even scarcer, and Mariam's old office has been taken over by local authorities. Women can't go out without a male relative. They're not allowed to go to secondary school. And most recently, a new rule was established that says women have to cover their faces when they go out, ideally wearing a burqa. They say we have to have physical presence in Afghanistan. So there are lots of restrictions now. We are trying to deal, but uh, I'm working here just to make our organization stay alive. Mariam told me she spends most of her time in the hotel and hardly goes out to explore the new country. Every minute she has, she's either remotely directing operations at the Afghan Women's Resource Center or meeting with international organizations, making the case that women in Afghanistan are not giving up on their future. Given everything she has been through and the obstacles still in her way, I asked Mariam, what makes her stronger? The feeling uh, that I can still be helpful to my people, 
and especially as I mentioned most of the time not losing hope and thinking of the day that there would be a stability in my country and I can go back home. Her work keeps Mariam strong, helping others. Mariam, thank you so much for everything that you shared today. I know it wasn't easy, but I so appreciate your time and your story and your strength. In Ukraine, Lena's still working hard to make sure that news about the war is fair and accurate in the face of a lot of disinformation online. There are around 7.5 million people in Ukraine who have been displaced within the country by this conflict. They're what's known as IDPs, or Internally Displaced Persons. That's 7.5 million shocked and traumatized people with unique stories, like Lena and her husband, living through a war that shows no sign of coming to an end. Lena's parents are still living in the East, in Russian-controlled areas, and it's too dangerous for Lena to go there right now. But more than anything, she wants to see them again. The biggest dream for Lena is to be united back with her family. Because uh, her mother is in Crimea and her father is in Donetsk and there is no way to meet them in Ukraine. They never visited her flat in Irpin. This is her dream that on one day they would be able to do it. And there's something else that keeps Lena strong too. She remembers being with her dad. It was a beautiful summer's day and she was driving in the car with the windows down listening to the latest song of the summer on the radio. She was looking out at the beach, and she was happy. There was peace in Ukraine. She has a memory of when she was going with her father traveling by car in Donetsk region along the seaside and there was a song Strong Girl Never Cry and this memory is forever with her because she considers herself a strong woman and strong girl and this memory helps her to remember how it was before the war. Right now, There are over 100 million people worldwide who've been forced to leave their homes because of war. But talking to Lena, Shireen, and Mariam reminds me that being a refugee or an IDP is not what defines someone. It's just something that happens to you. And that maybe for those of us lucky enough not to have to flee from our homes, it's worth taking a moment to see beyond that refugee label. What's really stayed with me is Shireen's incredible pride at being the breadwinner and the guiding light for her kids. And Mariam's devotion to her work, helping women back home in Afghanistan. And Lena's faith, but also that song, that memory of a summer's day in a peaceful Ukraine. 
Small things, perhaps. But these are the things that make us stronger. You can find out more about stories like these and how you can get involved at womenforwomen.org. And we'd love to hear about what makes you stronger. So reach out and tell us at media at womenforwomen.org. See you next time. Written and produced by Emma Crampton and Zoe Gallagher, What Makes Us Stronger is a Fresh Air production. The artwork for this series was designed by Nuno Studios.